Chapter Eleven of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven says i i think there was an unbeliever around i think it must have been a long five minutes ride on the street cars for it took us nearly half an hour to walk it but the church was reached at last a trifle late we were and the smith pew was full with the gay party who had come thither by the red line we met irving at the door looking excessively annoyed we learned afterwards that he had called to escort us to church, and Mrs. Jonas, in her vexation, had expressed herself more plainly than had been agreeable to him. "'Upon my word,' he said, addressing himself to Laura, I suppose because he did not dare to scold me, "'I think this is carrying philanthropy a little too far. You are making yourself ridiculously conspicuous by this proceeding.' Laura was not in the mood to be scolded. Sensitive to ridicule as she was, it had taken considerable moral courage to enable her to decide on her course of action that morning. Once decided, however, she was, like all persons who have to pass through a struggle, nerved for the occasion. So it was a very haughty cousin who drew her arm away from his detaining hand, and said, we will not render you conspicuous irving by obliging you to accompany us the sexton will show us to a seat and before he could control himself to reply she had obeyed the motion of the usher and was moving down the long aisle mrs smith and i meekly following what became of irving i do not know i was sorry for the boy why will young people be so hard on each other it seemed to me a singular circumstance that the usher should choose to give us a sitting in the pew which was directly in front of Jonas Smith's own. But a stranger circumstance followed. The lady occupying the corner, who looked up with pleasant face at our entrance, was none other than she of the fur-lined circle who had rejoiced over the gift of the little book. She instantly recognized us how could she help it with that green camlet cloak in the foreground her face became radiant and as laura had drawn back to let mrs smith precede her it was the old lady's hand that she grasped with delight and a whispered welcome church though it was that she was a woman of distinction was at once apparent from the look on jonas smith's face i caught it as i turned to accept an offered book from one of his party astonishment incredulity perplexity and a touch of dismay perhaps i am like laura growing uncharitable when i attribute the sudden careful attention to his sister-in-law's comfort which he gave after service to the fact that one who was among the wealthiest patrons of the wealthy church had welcomed her as a friend he tried to overcome mrs solomon's scruples to the street car you ought not to walk he said in a voice of extreme solicitude as we reached the hall the wind has risen and i'm really afraid for the consequences if you undertake to walk against it i'd be afraid for the consequences if i undertook to walk against the lord's express command she said with a good-humoured smile don't you worry about me my umbrella's stout and so is my heart i'll get home all right and she did 
for our car acquaintance came toward us just then, holding out a hand to me as if I, too, were an old friend. She would be so glad to have us occupy the vacant seats in her carriage. She came alone. It would be no trouble at all. She passed within a square of Mr. Smith's house. Nothing would give her greater pleasure than to serve her dear old friend, whom she recognized as of royal blood. So it transpired that Mr. Jonas Smith had the pleasure of seating his sister-in-law in the back seat of one of the finest carriages that drew up before the sanctuary, and tucking around her a brilliant, furry robe that represented much money, an all-important feature in his eyes. Then he and his waiting party betook themselves to the streetcars, while we rolled rapidly away. Fairly at home in our own room, where we had escaped until the late dinner was served, Laura arranged us to her own satisfaction. Mrs. Smith in one easy chair, I in another, then curled herself among the pillows of the bed, prepared for comfort, and began. "'Well, Auntie Smith, how did you like the church?' "'Why, it was beautiful,' said Mrs. Solomon, with animation. "'I liked it. I always do like nice churches, just as nice as folks can afford. I ain't one of them kind that think the days when we used footstoves for warming, or for freezing, and had no cushions on the seats, and had high, old-fashioned pulpits without any pretty fixings, were better than these days, or ought to come back again. In them days we didn't carpet our own floors, nor cushion our chairs. Times are changed, and I like the Lord's house to keep pace with our own at least. Look how they did with the temple. The Lord had the best use for that. It came first, and I suppose if the people had anything left— they could put some of the pretty into their own homes, but not before the temple had all it needed. That ought to be the rule now. I liked the church, child. The carpet wasn't thick enough to hurt my feelings. I believe in making the church the very handsomest place there is to go to. Acting as though you loved it so, you couldn't do too much for it. I liked the big organ, too. The louder it rolled, the better I was pleased. It made me think of the ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, and the sound of many waters. But, Auntie, I meant the sermon. How did you like that? Silence for a minute, then a meditative, I don't know, child. Was it a sermon? You see, a sermon means more than just to stand up in a pulpit and talk. Solomon and I got to arguing about that once, and we didn't agree. He was kind of criticizing. Solomon is tempted that way a good deal, and says he to me, Well now, Maria, I'll look in the dictionary and see what's what. We've got one of them great big dictionaries that knows most everything. I never did see a book like it. We had a little one, but my, it don't begin with this. Jessie, she sent it to us for a Thanksgiving present. That's what she said. It wasn't Thanksgiving, and I don't know what she was thankful for just then, but she called it that. Solomon got up and went over to the stand, and hunted out the word sermon, and read it off to me. Quite a long explanation, but this was part of it, that it was for the purpose of religious instruction. 
that's where solomon and i didn't agree i thought a talk about a verse of scripture was a sermon anyhow but solomon said there must be religious instruction in it now laura i leave it to you was there any religious instruction in what we heard this morning why auntie said laura greatly amused i thought it was all instruction from beginning to end don't you remember how many original readings he gave us and how learnedly he described what a miracle was from a scientific standpoint and the physical mental and moral and i don't know how many more kinds of impossibility that there could be miracles at the present day i think it was as full of instruction as any sermon i have heard this long while mrs smith sat back among the cushions and gave a little sigh yes she said there was instruction but was there religion i don't know i'm only an ignorant old woman and of course i haven't any right to pass my opinion on a scholar like him but i can't help thinking that there might have been a different kind of a sermon preached out of that text somehow one that would help me you know i ain't far enough along to understand it and like enough there was a good many in the same fix i don't doubt that in the least observed laura i never expect to be far enough along to understand it well now you see doesn't it seem a kind of pity such a nice text she repeated the words with a sort of lingering regretful tenderness when jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of the palsy son thy sins be forgiven thee auntie said laura as she raised herself on one elbow to push another pillow under her head if you were a minister and had taken that text for a sermon to-day what would you have said about it bless your heart child you do have the wildest notions the idea of me being a minister and taking a text that would be enough if i was solomon but i own i had the hardest kind of a time keeping my thoughts to listening to what he was saying this morning they would go a roving off you see solomon and i kind of studied over that story a whole week once till it got to seeming about the wonderfulest one there was in the bible and i kept a-going over that sabbath evening we talked so much about it and a-thinking of what solomon said and then of what i said and what he said to that till i got away off from the minister in the pulpit and says i to myself well i declare mrs solomon smith won't you look pretty when you get home and solomon asks you about the sermon a-sayin why you and i was the preachers that morning i can tell over what we said but i don't know what dr barmore said i guess you'll get sent to the city again to hear a sermon but laura was not to be turned from her purpose by any side issues that's just what i want to hear she said earnestly tell us just what you and mr smith said mrs smith laughed a cheery pleased laugh dear me she said it would take too long we got most amazing interested in that story it was a sunday evening and i remember we sat up till ten o'clock and the fire went clean out while we talked it over but i don't see what you found to say oh there's enough to say i tell you 
why you see there's wonderful things in it we just happened to read it that night it wasn't in the line of our regular reading but i got interested in it as i was looking over the book to find the place and says i solomon just think of it there came such a crowd to hear him preach that they stood all around the door and there wasn't room for any more when was that says solomon why that time in capernaum after he had cured the leper you know i suppose they had heard of that says i and so come post haste to see what would happen next i don't wonder at it says solomon if they had known what they was about they would have crowded after him so that there wouldn't have been room for them in the streets the wonderfulest thing about it all was that they let him go through the world as he did travelling around kind of homeless and without a great many friends that amounted to much it makes me kind of mad when i think of it says solomon and he leaned over and poked the coals solomon always pokes the coals when he gets excited no matter if the fire is burning just as bright as it can them coals have got to be poked but i went on with my reading and says i this was the time they brought the man that had the palsy you know four of his friends brought him what a time they must have had a getting of him started i wonder if he had a wife and if she put in and helped and went along or stayed at home and waited and watched to see what would come of it i suppose there was a great deal of talk before they started says i and says solomon yes i suppose they came up to it by degrees like first one of em said jesus of nazareth is here again and they say he has been doing wonderful things curing the leprosy and all that and then like enough he looked at the sick man and said i wish he could see him and i think maybe somebody shook his head and said oh there ain't no hope for him whoever heard of the palsy being cured then i put in a word says i yes and i dare say there was somebody to throw cold water on the idea by saying they didn't believe a word of all those doings it was a likely story that jesus of nazareth could cure diseases that the learned doctors couldn't touch why he was only a carpenter's son what advantages had he solomon laughed and says he you always think there's a croaker around don't you maria says i i think there was an unbeliever around there seemed to be more of them than of any other kind of folks when he was here but go on says i i like to hear what you think they did well he went on to say that he thought they worked up the notion little by little of taking the man down to the meeting he said he hadn't much doubt that it didn't come to them on the sudden but they kept a wishing and a wishing and hearing of wonderful things and turning of it over in their minds how the two could be got together until finally one of them up and said let's take him down there on a bed i'll carry one end and you'll take the other and he said he reckoned after they had overcome all the objections and got started and got to pretty near the door and found they could not get in some was for turning around and going back says i yes i can hear them they said there was no use he couldn't be got into such a crowd as that and it wasn't a mite likely it would do any good anyway 
but solomon said he had no idea that them four men who was carrying the bed said any such thing says he i believe their faith kept a growing stronger with every step they took because don't you see they acted on what faith they had and if it wasn't any bigger than a grain of mustard seed when they started it got a pretty good growth by the time they got to the meeting and when the folks began to say to them that they had done all they could and had better just take the poor fellow home as quiet as possible i have an idea that them men shook their heads and said he shall be got to jesus now if we have to tear this house down to do it and that gives one of them a thought and says he boys this kind of roof comes off easy let's lift it and let him down right into the midst of them i'll tell you what it is i believe he can cure him and then i think the others nodded their heads and said so do i and i somehow i've kept feeling it stronger and stronger since we came along because says solomon you see it says he saw their faith so they must have had it i reckon too that the sick man looked at them and smiled all over his face he felt the faith growing up in his heart fast what do you suppose them pharisees thought when they see that bed coming down through the roof says solomon and says i why it's easy enough to tell what they thought says they if here don't come a bed and that wretched sinner who was took with the palsy so long ago is in it what a ridiculous thing as if everybody didn't know that palsy couldn't be cured and as if this miserable fellow was worth curing anyhow such fanatics that's what comes of letting this fellow preach and draw crowds around him now i want to tell you just what solomon said to me then because i remember it very particular says he maria and his voice sounded kind of strange maria don't you think it is most like being irreverent to speak of the lord jesus and call him this fellow for a minute i was beat not that i thought i'd done anything wrong but it struck me all of a sudden as being awful says i solomon smith i do i think it was dreadful dreadful it was all of a piece with the crown of thorns and the spitting in his face and saying aha aha but don't you know they did it and as for this fellow they said we know not from whence he is i was only telling you what i thought more than likely they said not that i would say it for ten thousand worlds i ain't a pharisee and says solomon that's true maria and he gave the coals a poke End of chapter 11